Y estamos acá en la cancha, estamos en el Bernabéu, donde viene Messi, viene Messi con la pelota, lo ve a Ronaldinho, la pide, la pide Ronaldinho, la pide Ronaldinho, gol. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, señoras y señores, welcome to everybody's favorite, favorite, favorite podcast about football, the Golazo Football Podcast with yours truly, DTG. Now, I must say in advance, uh, I do apologize for... Uh, missing last week's episode. I will say last week uh, I had been severely cut with a rusty blade and I, it required stitches. I needed a tetanus shot. So instead of recording my wonderful voice for you wonderful people, I was in the hospital. But don't worry, it was nothing too major. Um, pretty much only went to the hospital because it was a rusty blade. So that's the only reason why I went. But besides that, I'm fine. And with that being said, today we have a longer episode due to me missing last week. Um, and as a result, I missed FPL game week two. Yes, I know, it's a bummer that the FPL winners from game week two were looking forward to it. Um, to being revealed if they had the most points or not. Even though you guys could check yourselves if you really wanted to. But uh, for Mundo Credits reasons... I will announce the winners right now because I have the screenshots from game week two. Don't worry, guys. I'm on top of my game here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, game week two. We had two winners from last week, both tied on 66 points. Uh, relatively low week because the average was 41 points, and I did get 41 points myself game week two. Um, I usually try to get um, at least 15 points above the average. Um, the average, of course, being the average of what people normally get or what's like the most common score. Um, but yeah, no, congratulations to Jolene, Jolene Langstay. I hope I said that right. And her team name or his, her team name is Christiva X exclamation mark. And the second winner is Nikola Demjanovic. Well, I really hope I said that right. That was a pretty good try. Um, whose team name is Phoenix underscore VA. Um, congratulations to both Jolene and Nicola, who both had 66 points on game week two. And now you both have 66, oh, not 66, 15 Mundo credits for being um, um, the winners of game week two. You both get 15 Mundo credits, just to clarify. So it's you two, alongside with Saad Abdullah of Schizophrenic FC, who won game week one. And to get on to game week three, um, the winner of game week three is Balotelli's Tubbies. <laughs> wow, what a team name. By Samuel Newman. Balotelli Tubbies. Um, he used a triple captain that week. Unfortunately, I could not pull up the stats from last weekend. I only took screenshots of um, the point tallies. So, yeah, sorry. Um, apologies to Nicola and Jolene. But Balotelli's Tubbies from Samuel... 
he put a triple captain on Mohamed Salah, who scored a brace against Arsenal. Um, the less we talk about that, the better. <laughs> the, um, but no, it was a smart move, you know. Um, I captained Sterling, personally, because Man City played Bournemouth, so I thought it was a better idea. I thought, oh, who has a better chance to score more goals? So, yeah, that's fair play to you. Um, I only had Salah, um, not even on vice-captaincy. So, yeah, um, it happens. But, yeah. Congratulations to um, you three, the winners of the past two game weeks. Um, we have four people tied for um, 15 Mundo credits. And yeah, it's, it's just to see who accumulates the most over the course of the season and who gets who gets merchandise at the end of the day. Um, don't worry, guys. Um, if you guys forget about your point tally or how many points you get or if you don't even listen to the podcast and you're just a follower on social media... And you don't even know if you get Mundo credits or not. We're going to be making a leaderboard um, soon. And they're going to be going up on our social media pages. Um, so stay tuned. Stick around. Look at look out for our Mundo pages. And the Glosso Football Podcast page. Because um, if you're unaware about who's in the lead as far as Mundo credits go. Um, don't worry. We're going to keep track of the stats. And like, post it up there for you guys as the weeks go on. So, you know, enough... Enough talk, enough plastic talk. Let's go to the world of football and what I've missed over the past two weeks. So, this past weekend, um, I would like to say... I'm just going to start off with this past weekend and then just go further back. Um, it's easy to do it like that, in my opinion. So, um, first things first. Um, last weekend, the fixtures of the Premier League were pretty interesting, to say the least, with... Of Tottenham losing, Arsenal losing, albeit it was to Liverpool. Um, you had Tottenham again uh, being saved by VAR against Man City. We'll get to that. Um, Manchester United, um, two disappointing results for them. You know, and Leicester, C- Leicester City ending, ending up being in fourth place as it stands right now. Chelsea's 13th. Like, man, I'm just so happy. Like, the Premier League is back, man. Like, not even just because I'm an Arsenal fan. But because, honestly, like, talking about transfers and rumors is fun and all, but this is what it's really all about. Like, just football is back. Like, that's that's all I have to say. Like, I'm pretty sure you guys enjoy talking about matches and results and, like, performances rather than transfers and rumors. Yeah, it's fun, but, like, it gets repetitive and repetitive. That's why I'm not, I'm not even going to just talk about Neymar. Like, this is probably going to be, like, the first episode... In a long time, I'm not going to talk about the Namor transfer uh, rumors. Because as it stands, like, like PSG probably just won, like, Shakira, fucking one of Messi's kids, Nelson Semedo, and 50 mil for Namor at this point. <laughs> at this point, I saw a meme on that, and I, it, it, just, it just got to me where PSG won Shakira in the deal. Like, that, that had me dead. <laughs> um, but no, um, stay, staying away from transfer business today, finally, um... Let's start off with my guys, Arsenal. We we traveled to Anfield and we took on Liverpool. And we lost 3-1, you know. Um, going to the game, yeah, I, I was hopeful that we could, like, at least snag a point. Because, you know, I was like, you know what? Um, it's the new season. Off to a great, great start. We won 2 out of 2 um, against Newcastle and then Burnley. I was like, you know what? Let's go on and just try to, like, get a draw at least. Like, that would be a real statement of intent. Because last time we beat Liverpool at their place, I was like, sheesh. It's like 2011, actually, I think it was, rather. So, yeah, it's been a long time in the making. And 
we get a point at the at the home of the European champions. Like I, I'd take that any day of the week, honestly. But no, um, Arsenal play really defensive this game. We had a whole change of formation, and we and we didn't even start Lacazette, who for me was no get me started. Like that got me so aggravated. The fact that we brought him on, or Unai, I should say Unai Emery, put him on in the last ten minutes of the game, like in the last nine minutes rather. And I, I think that was the dumbest thing that we honestly could have done. We made ourselves way too late, and that it was we shot ourselves in the foot. Um, the best part of the game was probably seeing Nicolas Pepe start for the first time, and on his first Premier League start away to the European champions, he dribbles past Virgil Van Dijk for the first time since in the Premier League. That is. Um, because I know Gabriel Jesus did it in the Community Shield, but Nicolas Pepe is the first player in 50 games in the Premier League to dribble past Virgil Van Dijk. Like for me, I and I saw it happen too. Like I couldn't believe. It. Like this kid is ridiculous. He destroyed Andrew Robertson. Um, he, yeah, like individually he had a great game. He should have scored. Unlucky with his shooting that day, but. It's just a glimpse of what's to come, you know. Once he gets, once he gets a real grasp with the Premier League, he's going to destroy the league. I'm sorry, like it's over for Premier League wing backs, full backs, defenses in general. Like, especially when he gets clicking with Aubameyang and Lacazette, it's wraps. That's all I'm. That's all I'm gonna say. But it wasn't wraps for Liverpool because, um, like I said, we played way too defensive. We needed Lacazette to start that game. Aubameyang was poor. Um, but no, I thought I thought it was a good idea at first to approach the game really defensively since, you know, it's Liverpool and we usually get destroyed by Liverpool away. So just to avoid that, we just played defensively. But um, I thought we were way too defensive and we, it was like really unnatural to see Arsenal in that shape, you know. I think we should have just played our natural game um, considering we don't have that many liabilities in our team, like, Licksteiner anymore or Mustafi who is apparently out the door but like as I said no transfer rumors today but I'll throw in a few little snippets here and there so yeah Mustafi is apparently out the door I pray that that is true um but speaking of liabilities um David Luiz <laughs> the amount of memes I saw this weekend about David Luiz being sent by Chelsea to purposely sabotage Arsenal is like insane. Like the amount of Chelsea fans that have sent me that this past weekend is is crazy. It's so funny, but um, now David Luiz had an awful game. He dragged down Salah by the shirt, conceded a penalty, and then, and then, for the last goal, the third goal, it was his fault. Um, defensively, the the marking was poor. He left huge open space and just caught a position really badly. Um. What what else could I say? I'm not gonna say oh if it was if it wasn't for David Luiz it would be one one and we would have walked away here with a point but nah you can't you can't say that but in soccer like you you never know what could happen. Um, no, I think it was just an off day from David Luiz. I think I think he's still a good player. I think it's still gonna be all right for Arsenal. He's he's better than the rest of what we've got. I mean, maybe Callum Chambers could have done better in that. And that um scenario, considering that he played well and we kept the clean sheet away at Newcastle when he played with Socrates. But um but we'll have to see what happens in the future. 
with our center back um, pairings. But no, um, yeah, it was a well-deserved win for Liverpool. It, they, we only scored because they stopped pressing us. And yeah, with with the shape that we had and the formation that we played, we just couldn't, we just couldn't contain the press. Like it was, we just got outplayed for the most part against the Gagan press, as um, Jurgen Jurgen Klopp calls it. So yeah, I just, I got nothing much to say. Then we just got outclassed for the most part. Um, <laughs> staying with North London teams, uh, Tottenham Hotspur lost to Newcastle United. And, you know, not much to say here, rather than it was a great performance. Well, a few things to say, rather. Sorry. Um, it was a great game by Newcastle United. Um, their record signing, Joe Linton, for 40 mil from Hoffenheim, the Brazilian striker, got the goal. Um, Alan St. Maximin, you guys may know St. Maximin as that kid from last season at Nice who used to um, wear the Gucci headband as he was playing. Um had that drip on him, but um, he was injured in the 17th minute, had to come off for Christian Atsu. Um, but nonetheless, Newcastle played really well that game. The, the, like, the uh, defense with Fabian Scher, who I think is one of the most underrated defenders in the Premier League. Fabian Scher, Scher however you guys may want to say, I think it's Scher. Um, Swiss international, formerly of um, Basel, Hoffenheim, and Deportivo La Coruña in Spain is one of the most underrated center backs in the Premier League. He does not deserve to be playing for Newcastle, so I want you guys to keep out, keep your eyes out on Fabian Schaar from Newcastle United. I think he is phenomenal. He had um, he in my opinion was man of the match as I as I did see the game. Um No, but not just him. The whole defense is really good in general. Paul Dummett was immense playing center back even though he's a left back. Um, Jamal LaSalle is obviously their captain. Martin Dubrovka, who I think is a very underrated keeper as well. Um, so, yeah, no, it's 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 good for Newcastle, who have been under pressure, because, you know, Rafa Benitez left them over the summer. Um, Salomon Rondon left them over the summer, um, who was a really good player for them on loan from West Brom, who joined Rafa Benitez, who is now managing in China. Um, and he brought Rondon with him. Um, he bought him from West Brom. And it's it's good for Newcastle in the sense that Steve Bruce, who has had a lot of pressure like brought onto him because of the backlash of his appointment as manager, considering he uh, he was manager of Newcastle's biggest rival, Sunderland, a few years back. Um, and, you know, Steve Bruce has never really been like, a top top manager he's always been like a second tier like relegation safety like kind of guy um he hasn't been like he's he's not he's not a Rafa Benitez let's just say that like Rafa Benitez has been in the biggest clubs in the world Real Madrid Inter Liverpool he's a Champions League winner um Steve Bruce has probably just gotten teams promoted and kept them in the league as far as achievements go so, you know it's it's a massive drop off in quality, but um, to get to get his first points on the on the board against Tottenham, like Tottenham away, nonetheless, especially after you know a rough start. Um, first game was uh, Arsenal at home, and then embarrassingly enough, they got thrashed by Norwich City, three um, one, away at Norwich, with Timo Pukki, of course, scoring his hat trick. 
but yeah, it's um, it's good that Newcastle got some points on the board. Steve Bruce could have that, and hopefully they can kick off from there because, in my opinion, Newcastle are, are a tremendous club. Um, you know, obviously they the likes of Alan Shearer. Like, if you guys don't know who Alan Shearer is, then I think you guys really need to like educate yourselves because he is actually like the top goal scorer of Premier League history. He has the most goals of anyone in the league, of like, if it's existence in history. So, yeah, if you guys really don't know who he is, then I think you you guys should just <laughs> educate yourself. I don't know what to tell you. So yeah, um, it would be a shame if they got relegated. It's the point I'm trying to say. So, yeah. And it's always nice to see Tottenham lose. You know, they bottled it again. It's happened again. It's happened again. Tottenham Hotspur. It's happened again. <laughs> um, moving on to other results. I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. That was really cringe. You have uh, Man Manchester City winning 3-1 away at Bournemouth. Um, Aguero, you know... Clinical Aguero with a brace and Raheem Sterling with a goal as well. But for me, something that stands out in this game is Bournemouth's Harry Wilson. Now, he's not Bournemouth's Harry Wilson. He is Bournemouth's on loan from Liverpool, Harry Wilson. He was on loan at Derby County last season, you know, managed by Frank Lampard. This kid... He hits ridiculous free kicks, man. Let me tell you, his left foot is a wand. It's a peg of a foot. If you guys remember last season, Derby County eliminating Manchester United from the EFL Cup or the Carabao Cup, sorry, um, then you know he scored a thumping free kick against uh, Sergio Romero in the League Cup last season. And he did so again against Ederson. And he does it as well for the Welsh national team. Like, they're... I I think it was on um, BR football no, or fourth one of the one of the footy pages out there, a compilation of Harry Wilson free kicks. This kid is something else. Like, like Bournemouth, they've got themselves one hell of a player on their hands. And Liverpool, if you let this kid go, one of the biggest L's in recent history for you guys. I know you guys won have won the Champions League, so I can't really say of all time. Like you guys have had bigger L's. Like, you know, Stevie G slipping or, you know, bottling the league on your own um, on multiple occasions. So, yeah, um, if you, if you, but if you guys do let him go, it's, it's a massive L. I'm sorry. Um, speaking of massive L's, Manchester United losing at home to Crystal Palace. Boy, let me tell you, it is so satisfying to see Manchester United lose to a last minute goal. They lost to a goal scored in the 93rd minute. <laughs> I say it's the best thing ever because the amount of times teams have gone to Old Trafford and at the 90th minute, 91st minute, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, or uh, Fergie, you know, he would like to go up to referees and point to his watch, you know, saying, come on, it's time. That means stoppage time is was called Fergie time at the time. You know, it was that's how it was referred to throughout his... Um, his reign at Manchester United. Oh, 90th minute goal? You got it. Bet. So, <laughs> he would, uh, the meme goes, Alex Ferguson would, like, point to his clock, be like, hey, um, we need this much extra time, right? So we could score a goal. And then the referees would be like, got it, sir. 
because <laughs> the referees were intimidated by Fergie back in the day. So they would add like plus six minutes, plus three, plus five minutes. And then Manchester United would get a winning goal, equalizing goal. You know the rest. Um, this time, it's backfired on them. There was 90, 96 minutes added on, right? After the 90 minutes. It was 1-1. Patrick Van Anholt shoots a ball, right? Shoots the ball. And what seems like a manageable shot for De Gea. <laughs> he has a howler. Like, let me tell you. It's... It was a low it was a low driven shot and you'd be like, Okay, it's De Gea's, right? Like you could tell by the way he ran up to like shoot the ball, it was like, Okay, yes, De Gea's getting this. I guess it was like two like it was it was a low die for De Gea and you know he's fast enough to get there, but he just didn't. It was too much for him to handle and I was like, What? <laughs> like you guys need to look at the goal again from Patrick Van Anholt against uh, David De Gea. It's 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 poor from De Gea, I'll just say that. Um not a direct mistake, but I will say it's, um, you know, for a keeper of De Gea's class, he should be getting there. Um, but no, um, I bet Aaron Juan Bissaka wishes he stayed at Crystal Palace now. Uh, but no, um, continuing on Manchester United, as I said, there was another poor result. They tied 1-1 against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um... Which is not a poor game, a poor result considering Wolves are a great team. And then you had Chelsea who won 3-2 in a thrilling game against Norwich City with Tammy Abraham who, um, well, thankfully scored twice. I say thankfully, um, you know, of course, being an Arsenal fan. Um, if you guys don't know, um, the UEFA Super Cup, which happened the week prior, um, Tammy Abraham was racially abused because he missed the decisive penalty against Liverpool. Of course, Liverpool going on to win it on penalties after um, the game ended 2-2 with goals from <clears throat> with from Jorginho and I believe it was Olivier Giroud. Yes, it was Olivier Giroud. Um, and then goals from Liverpool, for both from Sadio Mane. Um... You know, the game going on to penalties and Tammy Abraham, as I said, missing the decisive one. Uh, um, Adrian saving it, or Adrian, however you guys want to say it. I say Adrian because that's the proper way to say his name. So, yeah. Um, more of the story is, you know, he missed. He was racially abused horribly for weeks. Um, for two weeks, I should say. Social media, at the games, in the public media, so on and so forth. But um, came back, comes back even stronger Scores two goals in a um, 3-2 win over Norwich City away. And another goal as well for Mason Mount. So the Chelsea youngsters are really doing the trick for for um, for Frank Lampard right now. It's, uh, it was a really youthful uh, youth, uh, front three with Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, and Christian Pulisic. Of course, Christian Pulisic not being a youth product of Chelsea, but you get what I'm trying to say. He's um he's settling really well at Chelsea, I should say, because he got an assist in the Super Cup, um, assist in the league for Tammy Abraham. So yeah, you know it's uh, it's 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 all it's all good for Chelsea right now, because yeah they're sitting thirteenth, but it's it's gonna be a rebuilding process. You know they tied one one against a good Leicester team at home. Leicester were pretty unlucky not to win it, but nonetheless, um, it just goes to show how great of a team Leicester is. But it's good for Chelsea because they're finally being able to rely on their youth. 
while also um, getting some results along the way. Um, I'm pretty sure most Chelsea fans, if not all Chelsea fans, know that this season is going to be a rebuild period where they're going to have to be patient, give Frank Lampard some time because he is a club legend and he didn't have any like time or he didn't have the power to make transfers this window, of course, with their transfer ban. And with that being said, they had to rely on their youth as well, which, you know, it's it's a good thing. Like, it's, it's something that Chelsea have, like, walked away from many times throughout the past few years. And, yeah, I know people may say this is the, probably the worst Chelsea team I've seen in years, but give the man some time, give the youth some time, and you'll see results at the end. It may not be Champions, Champions League qualification, which I'm pretty interested in seeing. If I'm being honest with you, you have this youthful Chelsea team with a youthful coach as well because, you know, this is only uh, Frank Lampard's second ever year into management and he's already in the Champions League and a lot of these kids are in the Champions League as well. I, I'm pretty, I'm really intrigued to see how Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham and others, Reese James, who I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, because in my opinion, Aspilicueta has been really, really poor for Chelsea this season. And he's, for me, one of the best young English right-backs in the world. You know, there's a, quite a few of them in Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, well, not youthful English right-backs. Right I'm going to say English right-backs in general. You have um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, as I said, Kieran Chippier from Atletico now. Um, and you have Kyle Walker as well. And Kyle Walker-Peters um, at Tottenham Hotspur as well. But I think, I really, truly do believe that Reese James is something special. He was phenomenal in the championship last season for Wigan Athletic. Even captaining, uh, captaining the side, even though he's on loan, which says a lot about the kid. Um, so yeah, it's pretty interesting to see how Chelsea will fare out this season. Well, I'm considering all of that. But, um, one last thing I'd like to say about the Premier League, um... There was an incident regarding VAR. Um, I know the top European leagues are introducing VAR this season, um, thankfully. But, um, well, I, at least the Premier League is. I, I'm aware that La Liga and Serie A did have it already. But as far as the Premier League goes, you know, you guys know I'm for uh, VAR. Um... Apologies, guys. Uh, a little bit uh, messed up with the audio there. Um, I really don't know what happened there. But um, continue on, on my last point. Yeah, I'm really in for VAR, as you guys are all aware of. But you really can't make this up. Like You really cannot write the script here. It's <laughs> Lightning has struck twice at the Etihad for Manchester City. So, the story goes, it's 2-2. Uh, Manchester City are dominating Tottenham Hotspur. They're, they're home, right? Man City, that's why I said at the Etihad. Um, Gabriel Jesus is subbed on, late on. Well, not too late on. He was subbed on at the 66, 66th minute. And he scored a goal in the 92nd or the 93rd minute. And <laughs> it was disallowed. Now, that rings a bell, doesn't it? Where Man City score a last-ditch-minute goal at home against Tottenham Hotspur to win it all, right? Only for it to be denied by VAR. <laughs>
Like, I love VAR and all, but how does this happen twice? How do Tottenham Hotspur get so lucky to get saved by VAR against the same opponent at the same arena within the same year? How does it happen? On both occasions when they were when they both played very poorly. Like the game in the Champions League, man, that was Man City's to lose. And yeah, they did lose, but on a VAR goal that was ruled out. And the same thing here. I mean Man City did win the last game, but you know, they lost on away goal aggregate. This time around, they dropped points. Which could be vital in the title race because if you guys remember Liverpool only lost once last season that was against Man City away they drew a few games yeah but still that can be very crucial to deciding who wins the Premier League this season because again I personally believe it's gonna be Manchester City but Liverpool will be a good second place you know and I really did believe that Man City would be a lot further ahead this time around Rather than last season, how it was like really close up until the end. But this, however, could have major ramifications for the league, uh, for the league standings at the end of the season. You know, the fact that <laughs> this has happened twice—it's you—you seriously cannot make this up. Where Tottenham get so lucky? Yes, it's the right call, but God damn it, why is it Tottenham? Why does it have to be Tottenham who are blessed with these calls? Like, why? Like, why, man? Like, I just... Ugh. It's, it's annoying. It's really annoying. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, that still, that still gets to me to this day. Um, that, those type of calls, especially for my rivals, you know, it's not, it's not pleasing to see. Um, moving on from the Premier League. Um, Serie A started this past weekend with everyone's title favorite Juventus grabbing another win 1-0 against Parma. Um, it was a surprisingly, like, you know, iffy performance from Juve. It's just 1-0. Speaking to a good Juve friend of mine, um, Juve fan who's a friend of mine, sorry, Jimmy, he says that, um, you know, obviously I can't watch all these games at once, so... You can you can kind of like consider him our Serie A specialist or Juventus specialist, which is not really that hard to keep an eye on Juventus because you know they have Ronaldo. But according to him, um, it was an underwhelming game in the sense that they just weren't clinical enough. Ronaldo had four shots on target, um, one of them you know ruled offsides by VAR. But you know still it's it's a game where they should have been more clinical, you know, because. If we're really talking about title contenders here, Inter Milan are, are looking good this year. Like, they won 4-0 against Lecce. Yeah, it's only against Lecce. You know, milk pretty much is for my Spanish-speaking people out there. But, um, no, with Antonio Conte at the helm, you know, it's they're looking like a great team because Antonio Conte knows in, Juventus inside out. He knows the league very well. Um, his system is made for the Serie A, the three-five-two, and he's also getting he also got Romelu Lukaku, who is the man he wanted at Chelsea until United got him. And Lukaku in the Serie A is just can only mean one thing: just goals and goals and goals and goals. Not only not to mention that um, 
the other signing, Nicola Barella, who I've sang sang praises about, is for me the future of the Italian, like the Italian national team. Pretty much, I was gonna say like the heart of the Italian national team, but I forgot Marco Verratti is still pretty young. But him and Verratti in the same midfield, so you know it's you know Italy are gonna be cooking something up in the next um, coming up years. Um, but no, nonetheless, um, with all that being said about Antonio Conte at Inter and whatnot. Um, Juve really need to be, you know, on top of their games because I think Inter Milan are going to be the closest title contenders since Mauricio Sarri's Napoli team, who like ran them very, very, very close a few years back. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty interesting to see how competitive Serie A is going to be this season. You know, you have Lazio, Napoli, Atalanta, who are going to be in the Champions League this season. Um, you have Mario Balotelli at Brescia. Let's see how, what he could do with them, um, as they as they won one nil against uh, Cagliari. You know it's only one nil. You know sitting minimal scoreline, but you know let's see what Balotelli could do there. You know. Um, moving on from the Serie A to the uh, to League One, you had surprisingly enough not PSG at the top of the league. Um, you have Stade Rene at the top of the league. Stade Rene actually beat PSG 2-1 um, home, at home, at, um, I forget the name of the stadium. Arsenal were there only last season. Oh, God damn it. It was uh, Rosa, Rosa Hahn Park. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting name for um, for the stadium. I thought I should just put that out there. Um, but no, Stade Rene are, are a really good team. Another good friend of mine who's a PSG fan. You know, he was being made fun of because, haha, PSG lost, right? You lost in the Farmers League, but no, like, don't don't sleep on Stade Rene, guys. Like, they were in the Europa League last season. They're in the Europa League again this season, and they are one hell of a team, let me tell you. Like, yeah, they lost, they lost Isma Lassar, the young Senegalese winger, to Watford for a record fee. They lost their star goalkeeper, um, the Czech international Thomas um, Kubček. He's at Augsburg now. Um, Hatem Ben Arfa is not there anymore. Um, he was only there on a short-term deal, but nonetheless, there are three. There are three from three in um, in the league right now. And what really stood out in that game was um, the 16-year-old Eduardo Cam Camavinga, um, born on November 10th, 2002. Absolutely ran the show against PSG from the from the heart of midfield. This 16-year-old kid literally. Running rings around Marquinhos, who played DM that game, uh, Verratti and Julian Draxler. Like, he created the most chances in the game, and he was the most fouled player in the game. A 16-year-old kid being fouled by Verratti and Draxler and Thomas Munier, Bernard Cavani. You know, they he he caused all of them to be booked. You know he. He dragged six fouls on. It was six, by the way, six fouls onto himself, and he created two chances on his own from playing um deeper into midfield, kind of like a deep lying playmaker sort of role. This kid is gonna be something special. Like I know it's the first game of the season. Well, I mean for him at least, it's first. It was professional debut, but if you're doing that against one of the best teams in the world, like sheesh, like that's all I gotta say. Sheesh, a big sheesh, like this kid's gonna be something special. Remember the name. Eduardo Camavinga for all you FIFA career mode specialists out there who want to start a career mode with a young gem in their team. 
sign this kid up right now. Um, but no, um, PSG sitting in sitting in third right now. Obviously, two wins, one loss. That one loss being against Stade Rene. Um, Stade Rene are literally the only team with uh, th- or who are three from three out of the three games so far this season. Like um, after them, it's Lyon, PSG, Lille, Nice, Angers, and then everyone else is um, either has one win or like less than or you know less than desirable wins. Like you could be like zero and three right now. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty interesting how league on um, settling up right now. Let's see how the rest of the season pans out. I'm pretty sure it's not gonna finish like this. I'm confident that we're not gonna have another Monaco on our hands, where Monaco win the league out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, we'll see how PSG could bounce back from this, as I'm sure they will. As far as the Champions League goes, that's another story. Speaking of the Champions League, going a little bit off topic, we have every team now qualified for the Champions League right now. All 32 teams have been confirmed. This is breaking news because I literally just got the notification right now because the playoffs have ended with Ajax beating Apoel from Cyprus 2-0 with the Mexican international Edson Alvarez scoring his first goal for the club. Dusan Taric grabbing the second and shout out to the right back for Ajax, Serginho Dest, who is United States, well, new United States international, as he was called up today. Two breaking news in one right there. You see what I did right there? Good little segue. But no, Serginho Sir, Sir, uh, Dest was, the, um, was a part of the U20 United States team who made it all the way to the quarterfinals this past summer, who's also been called up to the uh, senior team today, has now also qualified with Ajax to the group stages of the UEFA Champions League. Alongside Ajax, you have Club Bruges, the Belgian team, um, Slavia Prague, who made it all the way to the quarterfinals of last season's Europa League from the Czech Republic. You have Olympiakos, everybody's favorite Greek team, or this Greek, the Greek uh, Super League specialists, because they've won it like, phew, like over 50 times. Like it's crazy. And then you have Red Star Belgrade of Serbia. Shout out David Vujanic on that one. And then you have Dinamo Zagreb, the Croatian champions. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the only Croatian team that most of you, you most of you guys know anyway. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, they join that. They join um, all the other teams in the Champions League, such as newcomers like Atalanta, as I mentioned earlier. But the draw will take place tomorrow morning, everybody. Tomorrow morning, um, Thursday. August 29th, well, morning for us in the U.S., evening, afternoon for your uh, European folk. But nonetheless, it's exciting. Let's see. I'm really excited to see what happens, actually, because a friend of mine brought it up earlier where Madrid, both Madrid teams, right, Atletico and Real Madrid, are in pot two, meaning that they can be drawn up with, like, Liverpool, Man City, um, not Barcelona because they're in the same country. Um, Bayern Munich and all the other league champions um, in, this, in the group stages, you know, like, like we could literally have Atletico versus Liverpool or Real Madrid in the, uh, in the group stages. We could literally have a final-esque match in the group stages, which is amazing to see. So I, can't, I really can't wait for that. Um... 
uh, once again, apologies. I don't know what's happening. I think I need to get this computer fixed because I'm having technical difficulties with the microphone disconnecting and whatnot. So, and it's it's really getting annoying. So, we'll, apologies for that in advance. Um, but tomorrow we have the Europa League playoffs. Let's see who's gonna join the likes of Manchester United, Arsenal, and um. And other teams such as Sevilla, um, in the in the Europa League. But nonetheless, uh, let's move over to La Liga, where it seems that Real Madrid are in a little bit of a injury crisis, with the likes of Eden Hazard yet to make his debut, as we're gonna have to wait a few weeks to, uh, to see to see him in action. As, as as well as Isco, who was injured in the last game against Celta Vigo. And then we have other injuries to Rodrigo. We had other injuries to Ferlan Mendy. James Rodriguez, who was wearing the number 16, which looks really weird, by the way. Like I'm, That's a weird number for James, I'm sorry. Marco Asensio, of course, with a long-term injury against Arsenal in, pre, in preseason. Brahim Diaz. Rodrigo, the Brazilian youngster, is out. Luka Jovic has a small knee issue. They loaned out uh, Kubo, right, the Japanese international to a Japanese youngster, I should say, to Mallorca. Um, like the likes of Jesus Vallejo is at Wolves now on loan. Same goes for Borja Mayoral, who's on loan at Levante. Danny Ceballos is at Arsenal. Like. Is that Sergio Regalion is at Sevilla alone? Like, what the heck, man? Like, Martin Odegaard, who actually scored the winner for Real Sociedad. That's a name I know you guys haven't heard in a while. Martin Odegaard. Um, he's still, he's still, he's still pretty much a Real Madrid player technically. He, he, he killed in the in the Netherlands for Hernavin. But of course, no one talks about it because no one really pays attention. That's why I'm here for you guys. Um. But no, he also killed at Vitesse. But nonetheless, that just goes to show, like, Real Madrid let so many of these people go, but they're getting so many injuries at the same time. Even Thibaut Courtois is injured right now, which may affect the potential Kaylor Navas move to PSG. Like, are you like, Real Madrid are a little bit of a pickle right now. Like, yeah, they'll get through it. It's not going to be as bad as last season, but it's just like a really, really bad start to the season. Considering the summer that they had, like, at the start, they did all their business early, don't forget. All their business was done in June, so they had a lot of hype about them this summer. However, now with the season actually starting up, all these new signings are injured. Um, some key players that are already there are injured. Luka Modric also got a red card against Celta Vigo in their 1-1 draw. Shout out Thibaut Courtois and his legs that can't stay closed. Um, <laughs> and then you have, like I said earlier, all these players who are out on loan. Like, what the heck? Like, this is literally like the start of season from hell. I wouldn't say from hell because at least they won their first game. It could be worse. They could be like 0-2 right now, but still. But it's it's pretty it's pretty damning to see this from Real Madrid. Um considering the amount of money they spend and the ambitions and expectations they hold for the team this season.
to bounce back after a season like last year. Um, moving, staying in La Liga, you have Barcelona 5, Real Betis 2. Makes me very sad because you guys know how much I love Real Betis. And my guy, Nabil Fakir, who I had a whole segment on a few weeks ago, scored his first goal, which is also the opener against Real Betis. And also, I do have to make an um, apologies real quick because it was not Celta Vigo who Real Madrid dropped points against. It was uh, it was Real Valladolid. Celta Vigo was actually the game that they won. It was their opener. Um, so that's my fault. But no, um, Barcelona went down 1-0 to a Nabil Fakir goal to stay back on topic of Barcelona. And then you had someone called Antoine Griezmann. You know, the guy who made an illegal transfer to Barcelona, scoring a brace. Shout out Sergio Roberto, who assisted both goals. And then you had an un unexpected hero scoring the third one to make it 3-2. Unexpected, because I doubt you guys have heard of him. Carl, well, not Carlos. It's Carlos Perez, like Carlos Puyol. It's not Carlos, but instead of an O, it's an E. So, Car Carlos P Perez, Carlos Puyol, you know, same sort of thing. 21-year-old La, La Masia gra uh, graduate, um, product of the Barcelona B team of their academy, scored the third goal, and uh, who started unexpectedly. I mean, not unexpectedly. You know, you have the likes of Messi, Usman Dembele, Suarez out. So that front three literally was Rafinha, Griezmann, and Perez. Like, <laughs> it's it was pretty, pretty weird to see that front line. To be fair. But then you had, um, the story of the match was a substitute who came on for Barcelona. This six, another 16-year-old kid, not as young as Eduardo from before, from Stade Rene. A 16-year-old born on ha um, Halloween, weirdly enough, 2002. Ansumane Fati. He is from Guinea Basu. Um, he's been with Barcelona pretty much his whole life. And he is Barcelona's youngest ever debutant in the modern era. Um, you know, the first one was um, Alcantara, not Thiago, not Rafinha, but I forget his first name, but I forget because this record was has been held since 1949. So I'm not really that educated as far as that history is concerned. But no, in modern times, um, the closest one to him is Bojan. And now Bojan's in the MLS, so you know his legacy is like, down the drain like no offense to the mls there but yeah if you go from barcelona to mls before your 30th birthday then you know it's pretty pretty damning for your career but no it's funny because there's a story that broke out about um about asumane fati how when victor valdez was still playing for um for Barcelona and Fati was in the academy as a kid because you know he's still pretty much as a kid he's only 16 so essentially when the kid was like 10 years old or so or younger um he would he would complain a lot that his feet would hurt right and Valdez took a look at his cleats and said no wonder your feet hurt these these shits are destroyed right and Valdez went out and bought him a new pair of cleats so I just thought it was a pretty cute uh pretty cute to throw it in there that this kid is that young that it was only six years ago where, and six years ago was only in 2014, where you had Victor Valdez in the last year of his 
out of his last year at Barcelona, helping out this ten-year-old kid, which is pretty damning because this kid is this kid is literally <laughs> sixteen years old, and I just can't wrap my head around all this. It's it's crazy to see think about it. But um, but no, that's that. Atletico Madrid, of course, um, staying up there with with the two big dogs in La Liga. I won't not staying up there with the two big dogs. They are ahead of both of the big dogs, you know, as Barcelona lost their first game to an insane goal by my guy, Arita Duriz. If you know, you know. Shout out, Mike, on that one. Um, Real Madrid, obviously, um, drawing one, losing one. And the only two teams on top of La Liga, I should say, who are ahead of the two big dogs, Sevilla and Atletico Madrid. Sevilla beating Espanyol 2-0 and Granada 1-0. And then you have Atletico Madrid beating, you know... Two teams with their favorite scoreline, 1-0, because you know Diego Simeone loves a 1-0 against Atafe and Leganes. And Joao Felix destroying defenses on both occasions. So, yeah, it's so far so good for his price tag. He's living up to, he's living up to the name. But, yeah, we'll have to see how the rest of the season pans out. It's still only August. There's still time for... For some more drama, for some more action, to see what happens with this kid, um, I'm still I'm still waiting to see him do something incredible. I'm still waiting for the hat tricks. I'm still waiting for the Ballon d'Ors. I'm just kidding, not another Ballon d'Ors. It's, it's just the huge expectation on the kid. You know, like yeah, he's doing good so far, but my God, I I still can't wrap my head around the price. Like I'm sorry, but um, we'll have to see how it goes. Um, moving on to the Bundesliga, we have Bayern Munich not on top of the league, thankfully, um, drawing their first game against Hertha Berlin, and then, you know, beating Schalke 3-0 at home, Schalke, you know, struggled last season, so I would expect the same this season, um, shout out Weston McKinney though, but I think it's gonna be another rough season for Schalke. However, um, Bayern, um, I think, I think this is the season where they choke up, guys. I think, I think Dortmund's got their number. I think Dortmund, who are two for two, really got it this season. Like, Jaden Sancho is ridiculous. Kid's 19, 119, 190k a week. He's already got how many goals? Like, something, he's got something, like, Three goals and like three assists in the first two games of the season. Like, <laughs> like I, I got nothing much to say about the kid. Like, the kid's gonna be a phenomenal player. He is so good. It's insane. But nonetheless, um, it's it's pretty interesting to see how it's gonna pan out. Not just with the big two. It's interesting to see how it's gonna pan out with RB Leipzig, who I think have the best manager in the league. How the new signing of Philippe Coutinho um, is going to impact Bayern Munich, which Andres hates the move. I'm pretty sure he doesn't like it because it's uh, it's Bayern Munich, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't like Bayern Munich whatsoever. Um, I I know how much he loves Coutinho, and it must be weird for him. It must be, it must suck for him to see Coutinho not being able to play well at his favorite club, Barcelona. But I think this is a good move for Coutinho because it's gonna it's an easier league. Um, he's gonna play the role that James Rodriguez did play. Um, 
also playing alongside someone like Thiago Alcantara will only help him. Like the midfield of um, Leon Goretzka, Thiago, and Philippe Coutinho. Coutinho obviously playing in the ten where I would play him, as his jersey number suggests. It's just something that you know. I as much as I don't like Bayern Munich, that prospect like really really terrifies me. Of those three in the midfield together. Um, as I said, RB Leipzig, Wolfsburg, uh, you know, a couple seasons back were in the Champions League, fell off, almost got relegated, but now are in the Europa League, slowly making the comeback back up. You have team promising teams like Marching Gladbach and Bayer Leverkusen, like um It's just it's just a pretty good pretty good Bundesliga season so far, yeah. It's dropped down in quality over the past few years. It's not as competitive as La Liga, Premier League, um, even Serie A. Um, it's, dro- it's dropped in standards, but the youthfulness, the excitement of these young coaches in the league is is exciting to see. Like I really can't wait for this Bundesliga season, to be honest with you. From someone who wants to be a coach, it's pretty interesting to see the amount of youthful coaching and the amount of... Um, um, you know, it, uh, what's the right word I'm trying to look for here? Ingenuitive coaching methods that they have on display. Because David Wagner, as we saw at Huddersfield, is a very ingenuitive coach who managed his way to save Huddersfield from a relegation two seasons ago with a really poor Huddersfield team. You have youthful um, coaches at Wolfsburg. RB Leipzig, Julian Nagelsmann, my favorite at Hoffenheim, Eintracht Frankfurt, who, you know, stole everyone's heart in the Europa League last season. So we'll see how that goes. It's it's a pretty interesting Bundesliga season, to say the least, and I can't wait to see what happens there, you know. Um, guys, thank you for listening. Um, it's been me, DTG, on a slightly longer episode. I didn't get to everything I wanted to talk to. Um, just general news about football and stuff um, around the world, FPL. Um, don't forget, change your teams for FPL Game Week 4, guys. Um, you can listen to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Amazon, uh, Amazon, um, whatever. You know what I mean. I was going to say Amazon Prime Videos, but we're not even on Amazon Prime Videos. That's pretty embarrassing, but... Uh, but no, you can listen to us anywhere you can listen to um, podcasts at HeartHeartRadio, LostRadios.com. You know, you already know us. Uh, follow us on Golasso FP, MDF Merchandise, Moon of the Football. Follow me on Instagram too, at DaveTheGoalie. Get me verified. Let's go, people. It's been DCG, and I'll see you next week. Peace out.